Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on celebrating birthdays and Christmases as a family, how to handle being uninvited to a wedding, a listener who's reflecting on past behavior, and whether or not B-list wedding guests are really a thing. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about whether or not to send your regrets when the invitation wasn't sent directly to you. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript where we discuss housewarmings and registries. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I'm I'm actually really excited that you and I are going to get to see each other right after this recording. <laughs> I know. We got to we got to record this podcast so I can hop into a car and come visit you and get treated to lovely sandwiches. We're not I was going to say we're not even getting together for work, guys. We're getting together to just hang for a bit. It's going to be so great. <laughs> Well, it's nice for me, too. I've been at home, loving being at home as the fall comes and the leaves turn. But I've been telling myself I have to get out. I have to drive around. I have to experience Vermont in late September, early October. (laughs) And visiting you at your parents' place is actually a lovely opportunity to do that. So I'm a little I'm a little greedy about this one too. Well, no, you should be. The fall foliage is unbelievable at their house right now. My parents have like a really a really big field surrounded by some woods and so there's just deep maroons and deep purples all the way through bright yellows, oranges. I mean, just everything is it feels like a rainbow when you're looking out at that field right now. So it's it's definitely a good time to come visit. <laughs> and guilty pleasure for me. I like the early part of the foliage season when the colors oh, are still yeah. really bright. So you get the yeah, yellow, orange, reds, as well as the rusty, <laughs> like sort of orange, red, browns. And mm-hmm. anyway. It's, the sun is shining. It's going to be a beautiful day. I can't wait. It is going to be a beautiful day. Well, because in the spirit of not lingering in front of a screen on a beautiful day and <laughs> not dwelling on the etiquette in our own lives, shall we get to some listener questions and keep this intro a little short today? I like that idea. I like it. Let's do it. Let's answer some questions. Let's do it. 
Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. Please email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question is about the future and not as far ahead as I thought when I first read this title. This is about Christmas Eve etiquette, and it came in the form of a voicemail. My question is that my sister-in-law it has her birthday on Christmas Eve, and my family growing up always celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve, which when I got married made it very easy to be able to celebrate my family on Christmas Eve and my husband's family on Christmas Day. And they have festivities that last the whole day, and we really enjoy going over to my in-laws on Christmas Day and spending the entirety of that day. But when my brother got married, with his wife having her birthday on Christmas Eve, things got a little complicated. And instead of asking what days would work for us and trying to be flexible, they have told us, and every year since for the last about five years, that we should cut my husband's family's Christmas short and only celebrate Christmas with my family on Christmas Day in the afternoon when we normally would spend that with my husband's family. So that not only puts my husband's family out and my husband out, but also um, my parents out as well. And so it, it really doesn't work for anyone. But every year, my brother calls me up and kind of 
aggressively will <laughs> tell me that I need to cut my husband's family's Christmas short because his wife's birthday is more important. And we found out <laughs> through a series of awkward exchanges that through someone else telling us in front of my sister-in-law that she does celebrate her birthday the week before Christmas, like the weekend before Christmas. So we know that she is celebrating her birthday um, prior to her birthday, just like other people do, even when they don't have birthdays on Christmas, so that they can celebrate with their friends and family. So she does on Saturdays, but <laughs> apparently she also likes to celebrate and does not allow them to come down and, and celebrate with us, not even every other year or every three or four years, but it's just a non-negotiable for them. So I was wondering how you would handle telling them that you can't come down because we are three states away and it takes us a long time to drive down there and we only stay for a few days and we can't really find another time to celebrate Christmas, not the day after Christmas or the day before Christmas Eve, really, Christmas Eve is the only time that we have while we're there. And because of my dad's job, he can't take off more days than Christmas Eve and Christmas. Our listener has asked to remain anonymous, and I want to thank her for submitting her question via voicemail. It's really nice to hear all of your voices, so keep those voicemails coming. Lizzie Post, there is a lot going on in this question. Should we <laughs> try to break is. it down a little bit? Yeah, I think so. From what I can tell, um, we, we are dealing with a, a change of tradition, and it does sound like it's been going on for five years. It sounds like Anonymous originally had the experience of growing up often doing Christmas on Christmas Eve uh, with her family. And then when she got married, it made it really easy to celebrate the holiday between both her family and her husband's family because the, the husband's family was traditionally on Christmas Day. So everyone kind of got to keep the same standards almost or the same traditions going uh, for timing in the family. And I, I do think that's really nice. It is really nice. I miss Dan the years that he's not at the Post family Christmas. Aww. <laughs> um, but it's it it does happen that families grow and expand and change change. And uh, when the brother of our of Anonymous's family got married, the woman that he married has a birthday on Christmas Eve. And that has made the brother want to change how they structure doing Christmas. I'm, I'm assuming here because he is trying to separate out Christmas Eve celebrating for uh, his wife's birthday and Christmas celebration for his family, which for him has now landed on the same day. So his world changed. His What he needed to try to accomplish in that 24-hour period marked, you know, the, the 24th of December changed in his life. And that it can be really hard on everyone in that circumstance. And it, it sounds like it's been hard on Anonymous. The request that I'm hearing is that we do half day of Christmas with husband's family in the morning and Christmas with anonymous's family, wife's family uh, in the afternoon. And the problem I'm hearing with that is that there's actually a pretty big distance to travel between those two gatherings and to bounce from Christmas Eve at one to Christmas morning with the other to back at Christmas afternoon with the, the first family feels like too much and and too much of a disruption. And Dan, do you think I've got it painted correctly? <laughs> it sounds right to me. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot to unpack there. <laughs> there is. And it, it, there are 
ways to look at it that sound very simple where you say to mm-hmm. yourself, well, if everyone is getting together on Christmas Eve and we're used to that to celebrate Christmas and now we're adding a birthday on that day – couldn't you celebrate them all together? It doesn't that mean uh, everyone's there solution, together yeah. on that day? It, <laughs> at first, I had to reread the question because I was saying, "Where where's the problem here?" If the the guest of honor for a birthday party is there at what is often a Christmas party, and you know how my mind works, Lizzie Post, I'm always looking for the solution. I'm trying to jump ahead, mm-hmm. and I'm saying to myself, "Isn't there a way to have that party?" That really honors a birthday as well as the Christmas holiday. And that that can be difficult. And I imagine it's one of the challenges of having a birthday on Christmas Eve. And there are ways to do it. I just feel like there mm-hmm. are. I wonder if the brother and his wife are actually looking to celebrate the birthday on the birthday on their own. And that was one thing I hadn't Mm. thought of when I first read it, but they're trying to create maybe a special, potentially, you know, intimate celebration. Maybe, maybe that's special, you know, within celebrating the wife's birthday. And, and I could see then him feeling the pull between, you know, how do I make my wife feel singularly special while my whole family is saying, just come and have the party here. And that might not really be what she wants. But I also find it interesting that we then get the other tidbit of information that the wife celebrates the birthday the weekend ahead of time. And so now we, we don't know what kind of mix of emotions and thinking goes into why the husband is so strongly advocating for a night, with or without family, we don't know, on on the birthday of Christmas Eve. So that's one one part that I don't know how to unpack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't know if Anonymous knows how to unpack it, and I don't know if it's something we would ever get real answers to or if we're even entitled to them. Um, but what I know is going on is that Anonymous's brother is asking her to change her holiday schedule five years running now, and, and she's acquiesced each year. And... I do know that it's perfectly okay to say no and to say, I'm actually really this year, we would like to try going back to doing this. And this is what we're going to be able to do. If we miss you, we miss you and we'll be sad to miss you, but we hope we'll get to see you at other points throughout the year. I mean, let's just this, whenever one person is pushing really hard in that direction of control, I think it can feel like you have no say in the matter, no ability. It feels like someone else is controlling your schedule on your holiday. And I do think it's important to take that feeling of um, agency back, word we haven't used in a while, but we used to use a lot. And to say, you know, it works for us to do husband's family Christmas day. And we're going to keep to that. And any way that we can celebrate with you guys on Christmas Eve, we will. But this is what we need this year, right? And and you don't have to do this every year, right? You could you could alternate, right, Dan? Uh, you're again anticipating <laughs> where I would want to jump in and make a contribution, and it's very much along those lines that if you're looking to honor your brother's requests, it's come repeatedly, whether you've um, acquiesced or not. If you say to yourself, "Boy, he's made this request repeatedly, and I've said no every time," but mm. I anticipate it coming again and it's coming through to me that this really matters to him, that one of the middle ground solutions you might propose is an alternating years scenario. The other one I was imagining was are there birthdays that are particularly special for some reason? Is it a a landmark birthday or 
uh, a birthday where your brother is planning to take her on a trip or do something special or different and that you might engage him in that kind of conversation where you could pick something out like a 40th, a 35th, whatever, and say, totally. we're going to really make a special event of that. And it's going to be in two years or, um, or, or it's going to be this year or next year, but then we're going to switch back after that because this has worked <laughs> so well for us. Um, and so that would be one place I think you might Avenue. really find some, yeah. some middle ground that honors the, how long the relationship has existed, but also how long you're hoping it's going to continue to be a good relationship in your life. Mm -hmm. The other idea that I was thinking about was ways to take that party. And we talked about this earlier and make it a, a party that serves two functions, but does it in a really explicit way. And mm -hmm. it could be bringing surprise birthday decorations the day before and having them all set yeah. up for when she arrives. <laughs> or if you do a present exchanges, having your Christmas presents in Christmas wrapping with Christmas cards, but also bringing some birthday presents and birthday wrappings with birthday cards. And maybe that's that's really extravagant and it just feels just so over the top. And that feels really good that year for the person who's receiving it. Um, no, I think a lot of people do. I mean, I have a bunch of friends who have Christmas birthdays or other holiday birthdays, and some say they don't care because it's just been going on for years. And others say it is just so nice to see that wrapping paper that's not Christmas wrapping paper or to, to just feel like someone really is separating out the occasions for you. And so you hear it. You hear it both ways. But <laughs> Um, and also, you know, that might be one of those outreach things that you can do too, which is right now we're leaning so much on the communication through the brother. Are you friendly with your sister-in-law? Are you able to ask her about her birthday and, and what she likes to celebrate, how she likes to celebrate, get, get to know that, that part of her. And it, it also might help guide you or help you understand either where their request is coming from or, I don't want to say or not, um, but but I do think that that asking questions and getting to know her could could help the situation. The parents are also major players. They are, I'm guessing, oh, yeah. involved if not hosting, and they're another perspective that might both be part of thinking of creative solutions, and they also might have preferences here and. I love how you're emphasizing communication, Lizzie, because the, the place I really wanted to be sure that we got to before we left this question was that early communication, if you can reach out to your brother before he reaches out to you, if you anticipate <laughs> this coming, you can kind of take that, I don't want to say upper hand because it's not a, a battle, but you could take the initiative um, and, and set the tone for the discussion. And it's that tone setting that I would also really encourage you to think about. That if you're looking for solutions, you're talking about wanting to honor people and their relationships and the special events in their lives, it's going to be really hard for that conversation to go badly. If you're thinking about other people, their perspective, and really trying to take care of them. Even if it does go badly, which I don't think it will, you're going to feel good about the way you approached it and your participation. Anonymous, we truly hope this helps, and we hope that this year's holidays are filled with joy and celebration for all. My, that was fun, wasn't it? Doing things together is fun. It can be in your family, too. Then things go better for the whole family.
Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our next question is titled, Uninvited, and it came to us via text. Hello. Thank you for the pod. I found it while in quarantine, and I'm listening from episode one on. I'm on episode 193, exclamation point. Had to forward you an uninvitation received. Due to COVID restrictions, we received a notice saying we are uninvited to a wedding. I know this is unprecedented times, but wanted your opinion on the etiquette here. The funny thing is, my mom made the cut to get invited, and I was uninvited. Thanks, Anonymous. And included with this text is a yeah. picture oh, right. of the uninvitation and I'm not going to call it invitation it's an uninvitation and it's quite elaborate. It's honestly it's very very beautiful. We're going to read what we can of it obviously taking out names but just so you can hear the language that that was received. And this is in very beautiful script to our family and friends and then in really nice clean all uppercase lettering below is what follows. We were so excited to celebrate with you, but due to unforeseen circumstances, we have had a change to our wedding plans pretty significantly. Unfortunately, with current restrictions in place and opting for the safety of our guests, we have made the difficult decision to downsize our wedding. We apologize for any inconvenience and kindly ask for your understanding. All of our love and then their names. And then at the bottom, it says in that beautiful script writing again, Love wins. So that's what was received. And Dan, you want to give us your first reactions? I have two first reactions, which is really not a first reaction. It's a dual reaction. Mm -hmm. And the one thought I had was this is totally understandable. People are dealing with circumstances that are changing and they, they have limited options. And there is something about it that feels awkward to me in terms of the way it was done. The how here I do think matters and mm-hmm. something about a very official uninvitation um, feels awkward to me. I think so too. Um, one of the big awkwardnesses in this to me is that nowhere does it, I mean, you're receiving the card. So that's the hint that you are the uninvited, but this reads more like a general announcement and less like a, I'm so sorry, but we are unable to host our wedding the way we wanted to. And unfortunately, we are not going to be using the same guest list. Like all these ways of trying to say you're uninvited don't work. Um, they don't come across well. They often edge up to an actual uninvitation. <laughs> it doesn't sound right whenever I say it. Uninvitation. And at the same time, it's not the way to do it. I would love to read a counterbalance to this that I think illustrates why it's actually important to follow a different route if you have to um, adjust your numbers for your wedding. Let's say you're keeping a ton of stuff the same, the caterer, the date, the location, but you're ditching 75 guests because you now need to meet a 25-person gathering limit. That, to me is you need to cancel your wedding and then reissue invitations to a new wedding, which is this smaller 25-person wedding. It is 
so hard to write to someone and say, we're downsizing. They were downsized. That's what the recipient was. They were downsized. And that's the soft way to try. And Dan, you're sweet to tolerate a very long rant from me. But it's like people are they're trying to minimize the effect it's going to have. Using corporate language isn't going to do that. There's a reason that, that you don't do this. It comes across incredibly awkward. So if you're going to do this the right way, I received this this year. I totally understood what was going on. It made sense. And I cheered the couple on when I got this. Here we go. We still do in beautiful script letters. And then a cute picture of the couple. And then it says, due to COVID-19, we have decided to cancel our wedding until further notice. Thank you for your overwhelming support and love. We hope to be able to celebrate together in the future and we'll be in touch if we're able to set a new date. Stay safe. And then the couple's names. It sounds a little different from this. This is saying unforeseen circumstance to change our wedding plans pretty significantly. Most people nowadays are using that language of COVID-19 of we've had to change our plans due to COVID because that wasn't specified here. I don't know if maybe they couldn't specify. Maybe it wasn't because of that. I, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I think that's a safe assumption. And you're right. Whether or not you name it, I think, is a sort of a subtler aesthetic question. Mm-hmm. But I think you really got it. What for me is the, the the heart of the matter here, which is going through the steps of canceling the wedding and then trying to reassemble that smaller guest list independently of paring down the guest list for the original event. And yeah. it sounds like a lot of work. And particularly when you painted out the scenario where it might be happening, same date, same venue, same caterer, same officiant. Well, in that it, case, it's it can, less work. <laughs> it can feel like, oh, it would be so much easier to just leave the parts in place that are in place, including the guests. And that's the one part where I, I do think it's worth the time of doing that extra work, which is going to require of you reinviting some people. But it avoids this scenario. And you're right. As we read the script and I was thinking to myself, what's the language that I would use to replace this? And there wasn't anything that introduced the level of specificity that we were looking for. And mm-hmm. you make a great point that there is actually no information on this uninvitation that tells you specifically that you're the person who's not <laughs> going to be going. It, yeah. I think it's a safe assumption. And it's also not clear. Yeah. And and once you start saying, well, I would have to say this to make it clear, it starts to get more specific that you've been singled out and canceled. The one final thing I want to cover on this question is the funny thing is my mom made the cut to get invited and I was uninvited. And I think that that happens frequently anonymous. It It is often, uh, especially if we're, we're close to people, and I'm just assuming that maybe this was a family wedding, but that often the older generation makes the cut and the younger generation doesn't. And that is kind of one of those traditional respects to sen- seniority and age and those who have been around and and taking care of us in a lot of ways. I remember being incredibly close with one of my cousins and just due to the nature of the way that wedding was planned and the dreams that they had for their day, it meant a very small guest list. And my cousin had six aunts and uncles and they all, almost all of them have spouses or, or significant others. So it, it immediately ate up the guest list on his side and he couldn't invite any of his cousins whom he was really close to. And it, does just happen. And we try really hard to say, try to stay supportive, try to not take it too personally. 
difficult cuts do have to be made, especially now during COVID. Anonymous, thank you so much for this question. Definitely in these unprecedented times, any difficult or awkward situation like this is best approached with an open and understanding heart. And we're really hoping that this answer helps people find a path that provides fewer awkward moments through this kind of situation in the future. Mother, why do you suppose Mary didn't invite me to her party? Are you sure you didn't get an invitation? Maybe they thought I wouldn't want to go to a party. They probably thought I wouldn't know how to act. Hey, now, your name's Cindy, not Cinderella. You will get an invitation to the party. There's just been some mix-up. Wait and see. This question is titled, Dress Code Dilemma? Question mark? Hi, a long time ago, I went to a married relative's recommitment ceremony after receiving an invitation. The invite said nothing about dress code, and I had to ride a bicycle to get to it. So my dress was what might be called dressy sporty. I wore bicycle pants with an otherwise nondescript tunic top that had some lace. When I arrived there, everyone was dressed to kill. I felt a bit uncomfortable and out of place, but did not say anything about the dress issue and tried to have a good time. One negative thing happened. My relative ended up blowing up at me during the event, and I thought he was either mad at how I dressed or how I acted, as I was really getting into quote-unquote freestyle dancing, as were some of the other people. I did not ask him why he was mad at me. I just tried to not engage in an argument and ruin the event. I find I keep thinking about the event, and I wonder if I should apologize and explain about my dress, or if I was in the wrong, as no dress code was ever mentioned that I can recall. Who do you think was right and wrong in their behavior? Should I bring up this far past event and what happened now? It was a nice event for the most part. I keep feeling bad about what happened, though. If I had known that everyone would dress up, I might have taken a taxi instead of a bicycle, so I could also dress well. Best, Sarah. Oh, Sarah, thank you for the question. And I just want to start off by saying don't feel too badly. Things that have happened in the past are in the past. And... Oftentimes, the best thing that we can do if we have some regret or some questions about something that we did or how it impacted people is to try to learn from it and do better moving forward. And I, I hear that happening in this question. So I guess my first thought is don't let this hang on you in a way that causes you anxiety or further impacts these relationships in a negative way. But I do think you can use it as a great point for reflection. And, and, and you're right, Dan, we're hearing a little bit of that here. As far as the rights and wrongs of this situation, um, there's definitely some good and bad etiquette here. I do think that you probably missed the mark on interpreting the level of formality of this event, the dress and attire expectation. And oftentimes your first clue as to the degree or formality of an event is the nature of the invitation. And if you didn't pick up on that, it's it's a small miss. In the future, if you're, there are any questions, you can always call and ask either your host or someone else who's attending to get a sense for how other guests are approaching that. Having missed that mark, I think you did the best you can. We tell people, don't let the best be the enemy of the good. Show up, participate, stay involved. If I was already feeling like I was sticking out a little bit 
like a sore thumb. I might try to moderate my behavior a bit. I want you at my next party freestyle dancing in any way that you want or can. But in an event where I was already wondering if I was a little out of place, where the attention and focus is supposed to be on someone else, I would also think that monitoring my own behavior, being sure I don't add to that impression is something that I would be thinking about. It sounds like you might have missed that mark. That happens. That's okay. And it's not a big miss because participating in a party or a celebration in an exuberant way is, to my mind, one of the better mistakes that you can make because it's coming from a good place and an, and an open heart. Dan, I like that perspective that to have erred in some way, you've erred in a place of participation and enthusiasm. What interests me is that it sounds like this was a while ago. Um, you know, you say you keep a thinking about the ago. event. Yeah, you reference it being a long time ago. Um, and so I'm curious about the idea moving forward. And we aren't therapists, but I'm not certain I would just advise picking up the phone and saying, hey, I want to talk to you about, you know, um, your wedding years ago. But it's the kind of thing where if you're still in contact with this person and you're having one of those coulda, woulda, shoulda conversations, mm -hmm. it could be the one where you say, you know, I have I have one that actually involves you. I've always felt really badly that something about either my behavior or my dress or or something about me at the wedding was really upsetting to you. And I, I never wanted to further the upsetment. So I just you know, I, I just let the blow up or whatever happen. And I just kept really quiet so as not to prolong it in the event. But I'd always wished I had talked to you about it afterwards. You know, that I feel like those are the kinds of things, if you're still close with someone that you can go through. And I would never say anybody's forbidden from reaching out and trying to make amends or find out what went wrong. But I, I it's not something I would do if I wasn't really in touch with this person that much anymore. I agree. We oftentimes talk about late thank you notes on the show and we say, go ahead, send them, do it. There's almost nothing negative that can happen. Apologies can be a little trickier. In some ways, I do think there's no statute of limitation, but there is the reality that you can dredge up old issues that are mm -hmm. better left in the past. They're better. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to let time heal those wounds and not reopen them. I think the kind of soft touch you're talking about is like it provides you the opportunity to address those things without doing that. The other yeah. thing that you mentioned that I think is really important here is that there is a a reciprocal bad behavior that a blow up at you publicly in front of others at the party is also bad behavior. Whatever you did that preceded it you were also treated rudely at the event and bringing up the whole experience is in some ways bringing that up as well and that complicates things a little bit it's not just that there was something you did that you never apologized for the situation was ugly and getting back into that in some ways brings up that as well Sarah, one piece of, of reassurance that we might be able to leave you with, and again, not knowing you or your family or this relative, it, it does make it harder to say, but I know that I've had moments with relatives. I know that even at our post-family Christmas, there have been moments that have happened between cousins or aunts or uncles or grandparents when they were with us. And 
sometimes things really do just get forgiven in that moment of family celebrating things happen. You know what I mean? And it just can be that sometimes even when you've had a, a, a moment of some kind of tension with someone like you, you described at the wedding, that even for that, and even for not having talked about it, it's just something that, that you can both walk away from saying, wow, that, that happened, but we move forward, we move on. And I just, I know that that does happen in families. I've experienced it in my family, you know, and it's not to say that seeking forgiveness and, and seeking out uh, reconciliation or understanding isn't a good thing. Um, but there are times and there are family relationships where that sort of just forgiveness and moving on just, just naturally happens. And sometimes you can lean into that. Sarah, thank you for the question. You said that you keep feeling bad about this, and we hope that our answer helps alleviate that a little bit. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the way you look. Now, I've heard it said that we women attach too much importance to our appearance, but that isn't true. After all, the way we look exerts so much influence on the way we feel. This next question is titled, Finding Yourself on the B-List. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I know you hear this a lot, but I love the show. Thanks for the awesome podcast. I have a question relating to weddings. Is having a B-list wedding guest a new trend? I have two examples. The first, my husband and I were invited, and we both RSVP'd yes. However, a month before the wedding, we were told that I, the spouse, was uninvited due to the couple overbooking too many guests. My husband attended the wedding solo and saw that the spouses or children of the other guests were there, so it wasn't a no-plus-one situation. The second wedding, we received an invite two weeks before the wedding of a friend's sister. When we asked this friend why the invite seemed last minute, we were told that they needed to fill more seats. In situations like these, is this a new norm to expect from weddings? Are the value of wedding gifts affected by these circumstances? Thanks so much for any advice. B-list wedding guest. B-list wedding guest. I just have to say right off the bat, situation one is like totally unacceptable. <laughs> like you you invite a couple to a wedding and then you uninvite one spouse, but you allow other people to bring spouses and kids and stuff. You just uninvite both couples or you just, well, first of all, you don't uninvite. Let's get that, that correct. <laughs> this is not the way to do it. And, and I get that an a miscommunication could have happened in an overbooking and someone's put in a really awkward situation, but that was not the way to handle it. Like you, do, I mean, Dan, am I in the wrong or is it okay to be a little bit shocked by no, that? No, like, it's okay to be a little bad. shocked. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the validation no. on my emotion there. I read that and was just like, whoa, that's just the wrong way all across the board. You just oh, don't yeah, separate yeah. a couple like that. You, you can either don't. invite both or you can't invite and that's yeah. those are the hard choices that people have to have to make when they're yeah. hosting a wedding from the the second sort of question that came up in the example where they received an invitation two weeks before the wedding of a friend of theirs's sister that makes sense to me 
what I don't love is the second part of it where they were told they needed to fill more seats. So, and the fact that it's not the friend, but the friend's sister really does give it that like third party feeling of like, we're extras at someone's wedding because they wanted it to look full. So (laughs) inartful. It it just doesn't seem right. The funny thing is, is that B lists happen and some people do have them happen well. They execute them well, excuse me. B lists can be really tactful and useful, especially Especially nowadays when I think more people are declining or hemming and hawing over whether they can attend a wedding, uh, I think it, it is helpful to be able to expand and invite some people on your guest list who you wouldn't have otherwise been able to invite. But you have to do it tactfully. And B-list wedding guest here has just been hit twice with two really tactless versions of it. So I'm guessing that a more tactful way to handle this would be to prioritize getting your, and we'll just call them this, B-list invites out a little sooner so that people don't feel quite so rushed. There, There is something to the feeling or impression that's created when that invitation to an event like a wedding shows up just two weeks before. And there, there are practical constraints. Oh, we don't hear back from people, but... If you're really going to be doing this kind of a B-list, being sure that you've got your invitation timeline set up so that your RSVP date gives you enough time. And if we want to get a little more specific about it, I would say shoot for getting the initial invitations out soon enough that you get the replies to issue the second invitation round closer to a month ahead. And I'm that, so proud. You did such a good answer, Dan. It's such a good answer. You, well, it, you it just, can't be too you far. You used to shy away from the wedding invite stuff, and that was just such good, solid wedding invitation. I'm just, yes. Thank you, yes, thank Dan. you. Pat on the back, the small bow, golf K. claps. <laughs> well, let me um, push my luck a little bit and try one more answer here, which is okay. that I don't think this should factor into how you think about the gift you give. Oh, absolutely. You are correct. Ultimately, you're attending or not. You're invited or not. And those are the things that are going to affect that decision making. You're not going to say to yourself, oh, they didn't do this well. So I'm going to start to dock percentage points on the dollar value of a gift. Um, It's not B-list guests give B-list gifts. You're you're still going to proceed with that spirit of generosity and enthusiasm and celebration that really should be behind the gift giving part of this. And of course, sticking to your budget. <laughs> always, always the number one good thing reminder. after all. The, good reminder. After all the good sentiment and just what you can actually afford and feel comfortable giving. Oh, B-list wedding guests, we are sorry about the two experiences that you you filled us in on. It's not the way that that should be happening. But we do hope that this helps paint a better impression of how to utilize a B-list well and not leave guests with her feelings. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are awesomeetiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show.
If you love awesome etiquette, and we truly hope you do, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help keep awesome etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Mark. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Love the podcast. My feedback is about the Grocery Express Lane from episode 291, I think it was. This has long been answered by George Carlin on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. At about the <laughs> 250 mark, and a YouTube link is included, that part of grocery shopping is explained, smiles and laughing so hard I'm crying. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Mark, thank you. I, f- I feel like we should probably preview that before we post it, don't you think, Dan? <laughs> I think we should. I think with Johnny Carson um, emceeing, we're probably pretty safe probably to safe, offer to share this safe. link. <laughs> All right. We also have another piece of feedback from Anonymous. Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I submitted a request for advice on how to talk to my mother about her rude tone of voice back in the fall of 2019. Imagine my delight when I was listening to the September 9th show and suddenly heard my question read on the Awesome Etiquette podcast. I screamed in my car while driving down the road. They're reading my question. That's my question. I was driving by myself, but looked around for somebody to acknowledge my excitement. I know how that feels. (laughs) I do. I I had to rewind the show to hear your answer. Thank you for the wonderful advice you gave. My mother and I have a much better relationship now. I'm sorry it took so long to thank you for taking the time to read and respond to listeners' questions. You are making a big impact. Keep up the good work, Anonymous. That just cracks me. That I think that was such a good, well-described moment, Anonymous. Thank you. I'm delighted to hear about it and delighted that our answer helped. Thank you so much for sending us your thoughts and updates, and please keep them coming. We love hearing from you. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette, and this week we're going to talk about housewarming parties, registries, and a plea from a listener to think about the two of them together. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I've been listening to your podcast for three years now and always look forward to hearing your voices. I'm writing not with a question, but rather to implore you to consider some degree of flexibility on the matter of housewarming registries. With so many people facing different kinds of celebrations and challenges at different stages of life, Branding the housewarming registry as inappropriate seems to go against your guiding principles of consideration, respect, and honesty. As you might imagine, my husband and I are anticipating moving into a home soon and are considering how or whether to establish a housewarming registry. We've been married for 35 years and owned a home at one time, but went through a very difficult period that involved loss of jobs for us both, the untimely deaths of multiple family members in a short period of time, and an unanticipated cross-country move. After nearly 10 years of unemployment, my husband returned to school to retrain for an entirely different career, and having weathered what felt like an extended storm, 
My husband and I both have jobs that we love, and we are now finally in a happy position of hitting the restart button on our lives. In the course of our relocations, we downsized to smaller and smaller rental homes and gave away most of our material possessions, books and furniture especially, that we'd accumulated in the first year of marriage. We never had a wedding or a bridal shower, and we don't have children, so we have never signed up for any sort of gift registry before. We're now finding ourselves in a position very similar to when we were first married. We're celebrating the beginning of a new chapter in our lives, and frankly, we would love to receive gifts from any of our friends and family members who might delight in giving us gifts to help us celebrate. We would like to host a housewarming party when we get settled in our homes. Is there any appropriate and discreet way to register for gifts and to make the registry known only to people who ask if we need anything? Or is the housewarming registry absolutely outside the boundaries of good etiquette? My husband and I have always delighted in gifting gifts to friends who are celebrating happy milestones, but we feel strangely frozen out of the culture of gift registries that recognizes some life celebrations and not others. Looking forward to your thoughtful response, new start. New start, I have so many thoughts, but after reading that much, I do I do say I need to hear from my cousin, Dan. Dan, what do you think? This is an interesting position, thought, uh, all, all sorts of things going on here. It really is, and I appreciate the context and the story that yeah. we got that explains where this perspective is developing from. And I want to congratulate New Start on the new start on weathering yes. what sounds like a difficult time and yeah. um, for doing it in a way that just sounds really <laughs> intentional. And um, I'm, I'm just so glad and happy for you that you're coming out the other side and looking at a, a positive change. And I am going to chime in and say that you have my sympathies. I am a single woman with no children. Um, th there really aren't any uh, celebrations in life that that mark you know exactly what you're talking about. And as you mentioned, you you didn't go through the the wedding ceremonies that uh, involved a lot of gift giving and the parties that involved a lot of gift giving and. Minus that, it's you right. There aren't sort of showers. There aren't moments for that um, aside from from birthdays and and as as we often become adults and uh, those things I think start start to wane a bit. Like the presents aren't quite what they were when you were five. You know what I mean? Hint, hint, hint. Uh... I, no, no. I want to say like I, I always get beautiful, beautiful birthday presents, but it's a different experience as an adult. I think and. You are right that there are not opportunities for friends to and family to shower you with gifts if if you don't go through some of those classic milestones. And there's a lot of people that will argue, well, that's the thing. If you don't choose to go through the milestone, then you don't get the gifts. And it seems like a really strange thing to just say to someone like tough patooties. And I, I don't really... I, personally being like, I, I don't love that experience either. It's a funky spot to be in. And I think you paint a picture of a place where you could find a way to tactfully do what you want to do. And I think that especially given how much people are, um, 
I think used to the simple exchanging of, of links in order to get people to, to good gifting ability. Um, I, I don't know about you, Dan, but in my family at Christmas or at birthday times, it's send me the links, just send me the links of what you want. I want to see what you're interested in. Send me your list, send me your this, you know, that's kind of a common thing we hear. So the way it's presented by New Start, a housewarming party where the registry is available, but only if someone asks for it, is an interesting idea. It is. And it was that um, specificity in the way the question was asked or the, the thought was proposed that I think gives us the window to look for that allowance that we're considering here. And for me, there's a, a language question that matters. And the whole idea of a registry or using that word starts to conjure up in my mind a list that's really created for a particular party or event and it's distributed to everybody who's coming to that event because there's an expectation about gift giving and this is the tool that's designed to make it easier for them. But it really reflects that pre-existing expectation that there's going to be a gift, not exchange, but a gift given. And all of a sudden when I hear you talk about an Amazon wish list, to me, that feels so much more casual. It feels less about group expectations and more about honoring a request from someone. I want to get you something. Is there anything you need in your new home? There is. Would you like to see our wish list? <laughs> um, and, and just calling it a wish list, not a registry. And you're right. It's so common for people to send these things to each other in the spirit of making life easier. What's on your Hanukkah list this year? You know, I've got a little list. Let me let me say, let me. Sh Do you have a wish list? Yeah, I'd be happy to share it with you. If you get that kind of request, responding in the affirmative is good courtesy. So, given that framing, I do think there's some wiggle room here. I think there's something else that we say on this show a lot. New start, and you mentioned that you're a longtime listener, so so I know this will resonate. You have to know the rules to break them, and. You know these rules. You know where the perception of a registry comes from. You know that things like housewarmings are parties that are often thrown more frequently in life because people move. That the tradition of a housewarming isn't about gifts, but it's about warming the house with people's presence, <laughs> their physical bodies, so that a home doesn't feel quite as strange. And I think that making sure that those things are at the forefront of the party that you're throwing makes it a lot easier to say, here's our wish list, or, you know, it's really thoughtful of you to ask. Let me think of a couple things and I'll, I'll send something over, you know, later today. I so um, like that because. Right. Those, those kinds of things, I think, make it feel more in the spirit of this party paired with the spirit of what your friends and family are pretty probably really excited to get to do for you right now. I'm guessing that that in your particular case, people who are invited to this party are going to really want to celebrate you and the good the good times that you are living right now and the the new start that you're so excited about. And so 
I think you're smart to think that they're going to want to do this for you. And being prepared, I think, in a way that doesn't say, we wanted you to do it for us. <laughs> you know, even though you do, I it's like the honesty. It's a fine line, but it's important. I, I, I know. And I also don't want to deny the fact that we might shift in the future where the honesty of the line of, I really do want gifts. It would be wonderful. There, There is, there's a part of me that really resonates with that. And there's also just a part of, um, I think how sometimes perceptions change that could resonate with that in the future. I'm not sure that we're there yet. So going back to know the rules to break them, I think you set things up like a housewarming party because this is a housewarming party that you are willing to send some some a list of particular items out to some friends um, if they do ask, whether you choose to do that through a, you know, like Dan was saying, an Amazon wish list or just a list of your own. And, you know, I think the hard part with that is that people might double up on things. It's then on you to return them. But then again, they're kind of getting you something bigger for a party that usually I'm just going to put put it out there. Traditional housewarming parties tended to be things more like friends bringing over a plate of cookies or something or a houseplant. Less so the idea that you're really helping to furnish someone's house or, um, or, or, or build their, their possessions in their home, you know, build out that house, pad out that house. I think that's really important to keep in mind that you honor the traditional intent of the party and people's expectations about that that are created by those traditions. And you're less likely to step on toes than when you do step outside the boxes. I do think it's important as we close out this postscript that we really do return to that basic rule or that basic guideline or tradition that generally the housewarming party didn't have a registry. And you really don't want to distribute something like a registry with invitations to that party. I I do think that's going to fall outside the bounds of what I would consider to be good etiquette. It, It does start to cross that line of, I want to help a guest who's curious about what to give me and steps into that territory of I'm suggesting that you give me a gift. And I do think that you want to be careful about that while you honor what Lizzie was talking about, that we are living in a time where people mark life events in different ways. And it might be appreciated if you've got an answer to a question that someone asks about what you might like or how they could help you out at this time. New start. Before we close out this postscript segment, I want to thank you for sharing so much of your life with us. It painted a really detailed picture of who you are, where you've been, why a particular avenue of etiquette made sense to you. And you just, you gave us so much to work with. And I really appreciate it. As you said, you've been a listener for three years. So you've, you've seen Dan go through some interesting things in life and you've kind of heard what we've been up to. And it was such a joy to get such a vivid picture of who some of our listeners are. So thank you for, for being vulnerable and for sharing that with us. Um, and we also just want to congratulate you. 10 years is a lot to weather and must be so wonderful to be in a place of new start. And we really hope that you and your friends and family get to celebrate this with such joy. Do you think you can be happy about rules now? Yeah! As long as we remember that rules are to make things better for everybody. Yeah! And if you don't understand a rule, find out why the rule was made. 
We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Mary. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Your podcast is and has been a balm to my weary spirit, so I have to start with my thanks to both of you for providing this kind of goodness to the world. We need you, and we are lucky to have you. Now, the reason for my email. I need to salute the small village of lovely humans who came to my aid when one day I found myself not at all well in the middle of a grocery store. I had gone to the store by myself that morning to do a weekly shop, and about 20 minutes into my errand, I noticed that the cramps I tend to experience every month were much worse than usual. I tried and tried to power through, but I had never been in pain like that before or since. I abandoned my half-full grocery cart at the back of the store and staggered toward the registers, black spots dancing in front of my eyes and afraid of passing out. I grabbed the attention of a cashier and told her I was sorry, but I was feeling very unwell and I needed help. She rushed out from behind her station, put an arm around me, and guided me to a cleanish spot on the floor by the front windows. She brought me a cold bottle of water and asked some questions to determine exactly what was going on. She was so kind and didn't make me feel embarrassed or ridiculous. While she was talking to me, another customer approached to ask if I was okay and needed help. She explained the situation while I tried to sip the water and the other customer asked how I'd gotten to the store that day. When he found out I'd driven myself and when I said as clearly as I could that I did not want an ambulance or a trip to the ER, he said, well, I'm happy to drive you home. You certainly can't drive by yourself. He seemed like a trustworthy guy. He reminded me of my dad, who lived thousands of miles away. But still, safety is paramount. He immediately guessed that I might be nervous, and so he pulled out his driver's license and business card, shared them with the cashier who photographed them, and then he suggested that she take my contact information as well. He suggested that I let her know when I was safely back in my apartment. That way, if she didn't hear from me in a reasonable time frame, she would know something had gone amiss and would be able to notify the right people. He was open and honest and kind, and he did everything he could to make sure I was comfortable with receiving his help. He wasn't pushy, but he was clearly eager to help a young woman in a lot of pain and without a lot of options. The cashier happily spent this time assisting me, and other grocery store staff made sure I had what I needed. No one seemed annoyed or put out. The other customer brought his car around front, and two staff members helped me outside. A 15-minute drive, during which I really couldn't do much more than nod, got me home, and this very sweet man shared his business card with me, too, in case I needed anything else. I later received a diagnosis and some medical assistance to make sure my cramps wouldn't be that bad again. While I'm unlikely to forget how much pain I felt that day, it's the kindness and care of total strangers in my lowest moment that will stay with me and inspire me to offer that kind of empathy and compassion to anyone who crosses my path. So to the staff and customer of the now-closed Harris Teeter in Nashville, Tennessee, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thanks so much for all that you do, Mary. Mary, we are so glad that you are feeling better, and we are very glad that you got safely home and are inspired to make sure that others always get safely home, too. I'm reminded that there are everyday heroes in this world. Mary, thank you so much for this salute. listening and thank you to everyone who sent us something and thank you to everyone who supports us on patreon please connect with us and share this show with friends family and co-workers on social media 
You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app or several of your favorite podcast apps. <laughs> I like it. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps with the show ranking, which helps new people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by the amazing Chris Albertine, and it's assistant produced by the fantastic Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and, and Bridget. Bridget.